We are starting today, though, talking about an announcement made earlier today. The Premier talking about new legislation, saying that it will create clear rules when it comes to public drug use, and it will also enable police to redirect people to safer places and help them get connected to health care services and treatment. Talking about legislation that, if passed, will effectively ban drug use in public and recreation-focused spaces. Those spaces would include a six-meter radius from building entrances. Those would include businesses and residential buildings within six meters of a bus stop, within 15 meters of playgrounds, uh, spray and waiting pools, water parks, that kind of thing, skate parks as well, and at uh, parks, beaches, and sports fields. Uh, The uh, minister going on to say these restrictions would align more closely with current rules in BC that have to do with tobacco, alcohol, and cannabis use. So what is the reaction to this proposed legislation? Guy Felicella is joining us now, a harm reduction and recovery advocate. Guy, great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Joe. What is your response to this legislation when it comes to what politicians are saying is finding a way to balance the needs of people who are using illicit drugs and safety of those in public spaces? I, I, I mean, you know, you got to be supportive of, you know, specific areas um, for people who are consuming, you know, uh, public use. Um, obviously, you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of the attention on the facilities that were implemented in the amendment, um, you know, drug users don't really go there. Uh, I guess it would depend on, especially not in the lower mainland, although in front of, you know, some communities and storefronts, there is uh, substance use and in some circumstances, uh, parks as well. But for the most part, um, you know, I'm, I'm a supporter of making it safe for everybody, but however, I guess when it's rolled across the province, it will be various in different municipalities of, you know, what they do um, in regards to policing um, and other aspects of it. I know you have talked and you've talked on this show and certainly you have talked about your uh, your use uh, when you were using illicit drugs, what you went through, how you uh, stopped using them and, and how you recovered from that. If you go back to when you were using illicit drugs, the drugs that this legislation is is aimed at directly. Would it have mattered if if someone had said, hey, there's now legislation that if you are using in any of these areas, a police officer could tell you uh, to move along or could approach you and and give you different options? Would it have made any difference to whether or not you used in that area? Well, I mean, I can just reflect back on my own experience when Insight opened in the downtown east side. I mean, I wasn't, you know, transient, uh, you know, using throughout different communities. I was basically in the downtown east side. But however, when the supervised consumption site uh, opened up and the VPD would, you know, uh, say to us basically like, hey, if you use here, we'll arrest you and take your drugs. Uh, But here you can go to this place and, you know, and we won't bother you. Uh, The unfortunate reality was in today's days and age uh, is that these facilities don't exist uh, in specific areas. So, it gets kind of complicated for where people are going to use. And I guess, you know, people uh, uh, who use these substances have to really have a clear understanding of where it is they can use. But I I, I feel that, um, you know, in in some of the amendments that, you know, it's putting places out there that was drummed up by a lot of fear from 
from you know uh, the public or I don't I just don't see drug users going to the beach to you know uh, use drugs or water parks. I think for the most part, you know, people are uh, very mindful of children being around, and um, you know, and and I'm not to say that some aren't, um, but yet we have to have proper places for people to be redirected to as well, right? Right. And and when the province says that this is similar to rules that are already in place when it comes to alcohol, tobacco, cannabis, does it make sense that, and with decriminalization, you can choose to, to use these substances, but you just can't do it in these areas? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it, it makes sense in the same that it's similar to other um, but however, again, I go back to looking at, you know, is it decriminalization for people who have, you know, proper places to use them, such as a home? Or, and is it, um, you know, recriminalizing, you know, people that don't have a place to use these substances? What I think has to happen if these um, amendments go and pass, um, which I'm pretty sure they will, is that the government needs to actually address the uh, issues of people smoking these substances that people can have that place to go. So they can be redirected there or they could be redirected detox or wherever. And I mean, it's progressive with the police too. They're not um, supposed to just take people's substances. They're supposed to, you know, uh, if they are using specifically in areas that they're not allowed to. So, you know, um, I don't think police are, I, I think the police are, you know, that they, they can't arrest their way out of doing or making any changes. They understand that, at least um, in the Vancouver district does. But like I said, my concerns are really a lot to other communities that don't have access to these uh, services as well. Right. And then is the concern then that, and I did find it interesting that the, the province is comparing it again to cannabis, alcohol, tobacco, all with, I mean, if you boil down what safe supply means, so all of all three of those substances, there is a safe supply of those substances and then people can choose whether or not they want to use them. But is this something, do you think, uh, and especially, I suppose, looking at the smaller communities and not suggesting that you should be doing any of this in a playground or on a beach or in, in a public Public area with, with with kids playing or what have you, but is the concern also that it, it then drives it into uh, places where there aren't people around and makes it even more dangerous? Given that there's not safe supply and there are still six people dying of overdoses every day. Exactly, Jill. Like you know, six to seven people dying every day, and if, if this is going to impact people, where it pushes them back into the alleys where they're using alone, or you know, does the reversal where people don't even you know, look to access support. I mean, you can carry your substances. Uh, the issue, again, is what we're going to have is that there's no place for people to use them. Where can they use them then where they can be around people to, you know, watch over? Listen, the street watches out for itself. But unfortunately, the reality is, is that um, for some people, it will push it back into the shadows again. And that that's just a sad situation because... Um, we just keep trying to, you know, continue to move it along. We've just done this for decades instead of actually, you know, saying, OK. Uh, and the municipalities as well, I'd like to remind everybody, they were the ones that wanted these amendments. And they're mostly the ones that don't have services for people who are unhoused. And so, like, OK, hey, if you don't want public consumption, then we have to actually give people a place to go. This is a serious health issue that impacts you know, uh, thousands of people uh, every year, 
Um, it's just a, a, a sad, sad circumstances that have been ongoing, and we just have to do a better job at meeting the needs. And, and obviously, you know, housing is a big component of that. Right. And when you say meeting the needs, are we doing enough uh, of, of meeting the needs and that the, the argument could be made that, that giving somebody a comfortable place or, or a place to do illicit drugs, that meets that need. But are we meeting the needs of people who are looking for treatment, who are looking for detox, who want to stop using drugs? Well, Jill, I get people into treatment and detox uh, consistently week after week. And, you know, like Insight, the, the model of Insight, which is one of the most, you know, I just don't understand why that isn't replicated uh, in other communities where they have, you know, the injection site, the detox and the transition to treatment. If you look at that place, the detox floor is, is packed hmm. and then the transition floor is constantly packed. Um, so, you know, that's how you build relationships with people, because if we're just pushing people off and complaining that they're using in the public, but not addressing their needs by supporting them into facilities that can, um, you know, let them know their options, uh, we're just not going to we're just not going to change anything in people's lives. Could you get more people into detox, into beds if there were more beds available? Well, yeah, I mean, this is always the, the challenge with when it comes to detox or you know, it's what happens after there's a wait list to get into specific treatment facilities, depending on which one the person wants to. But then also, Jill, after that, um, you know, one of the biggest factors is that there's lack of housing for people um, after treatment. And, you know, we have the recovery junction and the recovery community centers and the recovery cafes as outpatient uh, uh, programs, especially in Vancouver. But however, um, these are small in comparison to the needs of people who complete treatment. You know, we can't send them back to a shelter or back to the same circumstances that they're trying to break free from. It's just not going to work out um, in not only in our favor, but also in supporting them to move forward. We have to give people not only opportunity, but we have to build a full spectrum of care that, that meets the needs of people. And housing is a massive component of that. Guy Felicella, always great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jill. Have a great day.